Welcome to Beyond 2020, exploring the emerging vision of life on planet Earth. Hi, I'm Reverend Robert, and I invite you to listen in as I interview the emerging thought leaders of our time. Join in as we take a look at the realities of living a life of purpose and meaning beyond 2020. And hello again, dear ones, Reverend Robert with you here. This is Beyond 2020, exploring the emerging vision of life on planet Earth. And I want to tell you, I am so super excited. Now, I think I say that with almost every guest, but this one, wow. Um, I am really, really excited to have with us today just an amazing being on the planet, an amazing inspiration to our youth, and all-around great reverend. I've got Reverend Veronica Valles with me today. She lives in Dallas. Let me read an official bio and then uh, and then we'll get comfortable and get to know Veronica. But Reverend Veronica is an ordained minister for Centers for Spiritual Living and a peace educator through her focus ministry, Sacred Living. Veronica provides secular mindfulness in the Dallas Independent School District as a community partner. And she has been a catalyst of transformation in the culture and landscape of Victor H. Hexter Elementary from 2015 to 2020, empowering students, staff, and parents to live their best lives through mindful living. She was the 2018-2019 Dallas Independent School District's Volunteer of the Year for classroom support for her work there. And you can learn more at uh, sacredlivingdallas.org forward slash mindfulness. We'll leave the links to that in the show notes. Reverend Veronica has served as several other school schools positively as well, affecting thousands of students and has provided professional development and executive coaching for educators. Veronica offers her services as a thought leader and speaker to various local and national new thought communities and that has happened throughout the United States. She also has a spoken word performance that she does for local communities and interfaith events. I trust those are all unique and individualized for each community, so those are a lot of fun. Simply, Veronica is here to unveil your good and ignite you into your magnificence. A gifted photographer, Veronica is blessed to be a conduit for capturing the essence of God and the dance of light and shadows as she tangibly conveys to people these moments of divine glimpses evoking the sacred. Personally, I've had the great pleasure to share more than a few ministerial classes with Reverend Veronica and uh, more than a couple of events and uh, national events, and we bump into each other at places like that. But I did want to start off by just saying I personally am super, super impressed. Uh, I'm honored that you're here uh, because I've been watching and I see you doing some of the most amazing work in the world. Uh, And you've set up a great partnership there as in your ministry funds so that you don't have to be paid by the school district and therefore you can volunteer to the school district. It it seems like the whole process is a great big, uh, a, a wonderful package of spirituality and secular mindfulness. Veronica, welcome to the program. Thank you, Reverend Robert. It is so good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad you're here too. So we like to dig right on in when we get here and get started. If you would share with us a little bit about your earlier journey, you know, how, how does life evolve and bring you to the place of new thought? 
um, and, and bring you up to that place of hearing the call to ministry. Beautiful. So I always tell people that I was born a metaphysical, mystical mutt, meaning I was born open at the top with the heart wide open to the divine. Grew up Catholic and absolutely loved growing up Catholic, but had some discontent with it in college. And it was when I moved to Los Angeles that I really started exploring and deepening my spirituality, first at the Bodhi Tree Bookstore, and then eventually finding Michael Beckwith's Agape International Spiritual Center. And it was there that I just got a taste of new thought. And here's where it's interesting. I didn't dive into that community because it wasn't the time. I didn't know that my soul had a journey to go on to bring me back to Dallas, but absolutely loved Michael Beckwith. And an interesting part, I was working in the film industry as a casting director for extras. And a friend of mine's mother was donating books to the Bodhi Tree. And she's like, take any of the ones that you want. And there's this huge science of mine, you know, 50th anniversary edition. And if you could see it now, the cover is tattered. I have bookmarks <laughs> everywhere. It's highlighted, journal written. But I had this book, but I did not actually start reading it until, um, and actually the first date I wrote was September 10th, 1998. So I got sick at 30, which extracted me from the film industry and at 34 brought me home. So I experienced a long-term illness and that's what brought me to mindfulness. And I had the Science of Mind magazine, but it wasn't until I finally got the strength to go to Center for Spiritual Living Dallas, March 16th, 2003. I remember it clearly. And I nervously drove across town. I was still on the edge of healing from chronic fatigue, immune dysfunction syndrome. I parked my car. These white petals literally cascaded down upon my windshield, and I just felt this peace. And when I walked in, I was greeted by Sandra Francis, a practitioner, and Lisa Blackford, who was always a major volunteer, and knew I found my home. And it was Center for Spiritual Living Dallas with Dr. Peter Weldis, where I really dove into these teachings. And the funny thing is I'm actually very introverted. Um, people think I'm extroverted because I, I express it like that when I know you, when I'm excited, when I'm speaking. Right. But it took me nine months to go from the back corner of the space to like the third row. I zigzagged my way up. <laughs> and once I took my first class, I was in all the way. Um, so my evolution was really... You know, the, the long-term illness served as a teacher, brought me to mindfulness, deepened my understanding of spirituality, stripped me everything of my ego identity. And it was, you know, being a part of that community for 11 years where I was a leader, a teacher. I felt the call. You know, I've always felt the call to ministry since I was a kid. It right. was a place I could express it and be safe to express it and be accepted as I, as I absolutely am. So that's how New Thought found me, but it was an interesting zigzag journey. And eventually, uh, when Michael Beckwith came to CSL Dallas, uh, Center for Spiritual Living Dallas in 2009, you know, got to meet him and he liked the work I did with Season for Peace and Nonviolence. And, and really at Center for Spiritual Living Dallas, that's what anchored me in the work I eventually would do in education. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I, I love how I love the, the idea of the zigzagging around and yeah. right? and I've been there zigzagging through the through the congregation through the Sunday service. Where do I want to sit this week? Where am I going to yeah. uh, moving up? And eventually you find yourself on stage looking out at everybody going, exactly. hey, wait a minute. I used to sit. You're in my seat. What are you doing over there? <laughs> exactly. And that's a beautiful thing because then you, you know, the gift of a minister is to see that light, that spark in that person 
that they can't see themselves. And when I was invited to volunteer by Susan Pinky, actually, to be on the recycling team, that began, you know, my ability to then like share my gifts and be a part of a community and engage and then want to give back for those yet to come. You know, not just for what I've received, but for all those other Veronicas who need a place to call home. So, yeah. All right. Wonderful. So so let's jump forward a little bit because uh-huh. really our program is I'm not here trying to catch all the stories of your experience up to now. Uh, we can do that on another program. Uh, what this program's all about is we are looking to cast a vision for what happens next. Uh-huh. Uh, it's no it's you know it's it's not any new n- there's no news here that we're in the midst of a pandemic uh, that everything is up for change that things that we thought were bedrock, solid aspects of our culture and society have either disappeared or uh, are on the verge of disappearing, being reformed, being reimagined. And you have that unique intersectionality. You're bringing spirituality, mindfulness um, to the youth, to to those that are going to have to live in this new world that us middle-agers are recreating right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would love to hear what's your vision uh, going out five years, going out 10 years, what's the vision you see for, for humanity on planet Earth? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so first of all, I bring in secular mindfulness, and I want to be clear about that because you can't bring in spirituality into the schools. Um, but what I bring in are peace tools, practical skill sets, social emotional intelligence. And what I bring also is my consciousness. And that's what made the difference in the schools and the background that I have with pastoral care and, uh, and uh, counseling. And so the vision, you know, what's interesting I can only, we can only see 10 yards in front of us. And I never would have dreamed the ministry that I have teaching mindfulness to children. But the vision is for that the next five to 10 years is literally giving these children, I treat them like my nieces and nephews. That was one of the things about coming home. I got to be with my nieces and nephews. They had no idea I was sick, but giving them the skill sets and the tools to be able to truly create a life that works for them. From conscious thoughts, you know, so we use, you know, understanding our thoughts and and our emotions and connecting in kindness and compassion. And because when you look at adults, they're either unhealed or healed, skilled or unskilled. That's all the way I reference behavior. And I feel like what I'm inviting these schools and schools are coming on board with social emotional intelligence, but I just do it very different because I'm really teaching kids how to be empowered with their lives, how to claim their good, how to see, you know, find their gifts, how to move through struggles. So for the next five to 10 years, I would love to, um, see more Miss Veronica's, but not me, people authentically as themselves, because I called myself a peace educator. And one year at Hexter Elementary, which transformed the school, I brought in my unique background with nonviolent communication, heart math, the connection practice, restorative justice, mindfulness, uh, pastoral care, pastoral counseling, all that into a, a unique position that supported the administrators, the teachers, and the students, as well as parents. So if I look five to 10 years out, I envision a peace educator in every school across this country doing what I did, providing those skill sets, uh, diffusing any kind of conflict consciously, getting to ways to feel empowered so their energy is channeled in creativity instead of, you know, spiraling into a direction that's not, you know, life affirming for them. 
And with education, really getting to where it becomes more about the curiosity and the the, the thriving in learning and away from more of the bureaucracy and those standardized testings. So it's it's for me, it's like, how do we enter into this world as community partners to engage in our communities, to get to know our neighbors and support them in whatever way calls us. So for the next five to 10 years, I'm just seeing the systemic change that's necessary, the inequity that we see in schools, uh, the dismantling of the school to prison pipeline, the understanding of white privilege and how it has impacted and to actually empower everyone to come together in connection, community and compassion, because kindness is like my underlying theme with everything. So I don't know. I Right now, what I'm looking at is only 10 yards in front of me, you know, fall of 2021. I've been teaching online, I'm grateful to have Zoom, but I can see the difference between kids who have, you know, parents who are making a nice living and kids who are in poverty and very limited situations and uncertainty and a Wi-Fi that doesn't work. And you're seeing the impact. And it's like, how do we come together to support everybody so that they're living their best lives, that they're finding their gifts, that they're excited about their lives, that they're thriving um, and supporting one another? So we'll see. I just keep taking it 10 yards at a time, step by step. Spirit com- always guides me to my next step. So but I really feel like there's a, um, a necessity for the transformation of education, that we're yes. moving forward in a different direction and we're empowering our teachers, we're empowering our administrators, but we're especially empowering our children so that they can feel safe mentally, emotionally, and physically in schools. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. I can hold that vision of a peace educator in every school. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, thank you for the reminder that there, there are places in our world where uh, as ministers, yes, our, our heart is still as reverend and we don't show up with that title. We don't show up with the exactly. air of spirituality. We show up uh, and, and what I'm hearing is, well, as a peace educator, as a professional educator in the education system and I think that's incredibly important. I, I'm reminded that part of the call, if you will, of science of mind was never really to create our own little club of churches and centers. That's all nice and well and good. But the call was really to take this philosophy, these these belief systems and practices out into the world, into every aspect of our world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely doing that in the school districts uh, there in Dallas. And I trust that, uh, I also know as a visionary, as a pioneer, it's often, we can only be out there leading by 10 feet, by 20 yards, whatever it may be. Uh, I see that visionary piece of you that is saying, I know it can be different. um, And I want to talk about what we're going to do right now to move us in that direction. Exactly. And because I, you know, I was at Hexter for five years and unfortunately our principal took a job closer to her house because we had a 10 year plan, which is fine because that was a pivot point for me, which is how I got connected with the Texas Criminal Justice Coalition and, you know, working on a book and stuff. But it's like I showed up wholeheartedly. I was consistent. I was unconditional. I was there to support them in understanding their emotions, how to have conscious conversations through conflict, how to, you know, how 
have the tools to deepen relationships, how to manage self-care and self-love through the stresses of education. And it was just powerful to come in unconditionally as a community partner. And I thank all the donors and especially a major donor that has supported that. So then I could be that beneficial presence. I could mirror to them how to navigate you know, your difficult emotions and yet at the same time make choices, how to maybe move through, like maybe they did have conflict that didn't go the way that they wanted, but then how to like enter that moment with a, an open heart for restorative justice and to not, you know, that old paradigm of shame and blame, but really it's like I was having a very human moment. Now, now what can I do then to make a different choice and what do I need to do to, you know, acknowledge any pain that was caused. And so it was, it was powerful just to be there and also to witness, you know, what our educators go through, how hard they work, how much they do. And they are probably the profession that is not paid what they are worth. And so I am a huge advocate of supporting administrators, principals, assistant principals, counselors, teachers, and then for also that our children. So it's it's a blessing to come in with the consciousness and then also what is mine to do, as Tracy Brown always says. And so my part of the cosmic puzzle, the mandala, uh, is to add whatever joy, love, and practical skill sets in education so that everybody is moving through whatever was those past patterns to like a new way of being in their own unique way. And it's a beautiful thing to watch that shift in that evolution. Mm, yes, 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 it is. <laughs> um, I have two children in public school here in Colorado, uh, one in uh, middle school and one in high school. And I tell you, one of the, one of the difficult things they have experienced has been that in some ways, as children of a, of a religious science community, as children that have been brought up with these philosophies and ideas all the way along, um, they run into people that aren't quite on board, as it were, aren't quite uh, up to speed with some of the emotionally intelligent aspects of life and, and such. And, it, and it's created that, that place for everyone to step forward. Yeah. Um, for yeah. everyone to kind of be called to something new. So I love the work you're doing there. I love, Thank love, you. love the work you're doing there. Uh, before we get too much farther down the road, though, however, we do want to take a quick break here, folks, and just say thank you to our sponsors and let our sponsors say thank you to you for being a part of New Thought Media Network and listening to Beyond 2020. Give us 45 seconds. We'll be right back. All right. And we're back. I'm Reverend Robert. This is Beyond 2020. And today we are having a conversation with Reverend Veronica Vez. Reverend Veronica is based out of the Dallas area and deeply, deeply involved in bringing secular mindfulness. And I love the term a peace educator, uh, being a peace educator in the Dallas public school system there. And uh, Veronica, tell us a little bit more. I, I know, um, We'll share these links with you, folks. You've got some data on one of your websites, one mm. web pages that kind of shows the the verifies the impact that's been made yeah. by yeah. your work over the last five years there in bringing secular mindfulness into the schools. Can you share with us a little bit of the results of the work that you've done? 
Well, absolutely. You know, so I went into the program organically and Dr. Jackson, who was the principal, we had uh, just an instant connection when we met. I called it a divine appointment. And she just trusted me from day one to bring this program. And I started just with first and second grade and in art and music class. And then that next year, I started moving into more classrooms because teachers were like, who are you? What are you doing? And so I organically allowed the growth of this. And so with me being in the classroom once a week and then being on campus, I got to go deep with those students and those teachers. It was year three when I did the experiment of being a peace educator where I was there every day. And my thing is I empower the children to, to lead. So after I teach them for about five weeks, I, they start becoming mindful leaders, you know, ringing in and out. But it was having the majority of teachers on board, bringing the skill sets in on a daily basis, but being present every single day and then doing professional developments. I did executive coaching with the principal that what we saw was the organic process of me just, you know, offering these skill sets, the students taking them on, the teachers uh, embedding it in their culture when I wasn't there, that by the very nature of social emotional intelligence, that when you have these skill sets and these kids go into testing, they're prepared not only with all the hard work they've done learning, but they also have the skill sets to stay calm and focused and, and just their day-to-day well-being. And so what we saw was the principal would set her her data, like what she wanted. I just like she would she would write it out on a piece of paper. We put it in an envelope. I put the envelope, you know, on my altar and then I'd go about doing my work. So what we saw was just this organic way of me teaching weekly, being consistent for the last three years, that those test scores that normally I think I can't remember if I have the statistics uh, correctly. We had an eight point three percent increase in the star exam and 2.8 percent is considered a statistically significant increase so the district was kind of like uh yeah. who are y'all? <laughs> what are y'all doing and she has just she has a doctorate in uh, curriculum instruction so it was a combination of her the mindfulness the teacher's willingness and then the me being there consistently like these kids knew me i treated them like my nieces and nephews that what we saw was that by embedding it in the culture so every morning uh, our um our student announcement team would lead the mindful minute. And so the whole school would anchor to mindful minute. The students would open their community circles with mindfulness. We had five minutes of mindful eating at lunch. So before they ate their lunch, they sat in silence. We had like solfeggio frequency music playing. We had mindfulness. Uh, the kids lead it, led it uh, for the PTA meetings. Teachers would lead the mindful anchor during their meetings. And so it was embedded in the culture, but it took three years to get there. And the consistent presence my love, my commitment, and and to navigate with flexibility and fluidity. So what it proved to me was that these social emotional intelligence skill sets are as important as reading, writing, math, art, science, you know, all, all of that, the, the health uh, programs that they have. And so it, you're starting to see the evolution of that in education. Uh, what I did different was that I was a consistent presence. Like they considered me staff, even though I wasn't staff. And that was to the the gracious donation of a donor that allowed me to have that experiment for the year. So it just proved that these skill sets work when you work it. It supports teachers. It supports the educators. um, And, you know, these, these kids will have them for the rest of their lives. Right. 
Yeah, that's the, the other beautiful part about this, right? That one, all of these the, these uh, practices and principles, once you learn them, you can't go back and pretend you don't know them. Yeah. And so they have this sense of, of and I love it, the, the mindful minute to get started, mindful eating, adding these aspects in. Uh, it, again, it's great, great work. And I, I love that you have set sort of a model that uh, for others – that others could do this because yeah. remember folks, uh, Veronica didn't walk in, in a hired position. She didn't walk in and sell herself as a business to the school district to this. She walked in and said, I'd like to volunteer. I have a way that I believe. And through exploration and open conversation, an opportunity was made. Exactly. Exactly. And I've been at other schools and I saw the difference, you know, in the classroom it worked, it worked with the teachers, but if you don't have a principal on board and if you don't have a principal who's willing to practice, the program won't work. You won't have that cultural transformation. So I'll always be deeply grateful to Dr. Jackson and her willingness. My prayer is that she took her, took all this that she learned to her new school and, and it's a practice. It's not about being perfect. And that's the reminder. It's a practice. It's a skill set. It's a moment to moment awareness. So there's a lot of compassion, self-compassion and compassion for others as we navigate our our human journey. So I remind the teachers, it's not about being perfect. And the beautiful thing too, Robert, I had teachers who like Mrs. Cooper, who like really took on the loving kindness practice and brought it to her third grade class. And they would sit in a circle and they would lead it daily. The kids would lead the loving kindness and I'll send you a video on that. And then they had kindness journals where they would write kind thoughts about a person. You didn't know who was writing about you or, or watching you that day. And then they would they would pick one student, put that student in the middle and read the kind thoughts. And then they would radiate love and kindness because we did a practice called Radiating Heart. Mrs. Vizi, who was in second grade, who brought in yoga and same thing, you know, embedding in their own way the practices on a daily basis. And so many, I have story after story of teachers. I have story after story of students, you know, uh, I'm writing a book that's weaving both the story and the practices and just that awakening of the practicality of it, but also the power to be mindful, to be present, to understand difficult emotions are normal. They're okay. But to learn to pause and respond. So it's, you know, it took three years and I was there five years, which was powerful. Our last year was so challenging uh, with our principal and our assistant principal leaving at the same time and a new counselor who was a PE teacher formerly. And then the pandemic hit. So 2019, (laughs) 2020 felt like three years in one. Uh, But, you know, these teachers are continuing with the social emotional learning committee. And I'm coaching the lead, uh, Mrs. Vizi on that. And I'm coaching teachers still while I'm trying to work with different schools and just really trying to take the program out. So it's, it's a powerful, I see this, like you'll see social emotional learning expanding in school districts, but they're bringing curriculums. The way I brought it was very different. It was embodied and engaged practice. It wasn't, we're going to have a 45 minute lesson. It's like, here's some mindfulness skill sets and let's practice. And then the next week they'd share about their experiences and then cultivating them, the children to lead. Yeah. I I am real hip on that idea of, I I love the way you said embedding the daily spiritual practices or daily practices. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Right. And in my own work, one of the first questions, and I'm sure you've been there too. 
somebody comes and wants some support or advice or idea or my very first question is so okay how's your daily practice yes what's what's the activity that you do every single day to remind you to pull you into this vibration to keep you grounded in uh in truth and uh and that's i love the idea that that's how it works right folks it's it wasn't I want to just repeat that it wasn't a 45 minute curriculum no. that had to be taught or ha- it was the activity of daily practice. The uh-huh. anchoring of that daily practice that is so vital to making the shift that's necessary in consciousness. Well, to create the life we truly desire. Exactly. Exactly. And with mindfulness, you know, I would have kids share their stories, how they did the body scan at night and they could, you know, sleep well. Or one little girl who publicly shared that she experienced depression and we did an exercise. And I mean, I almost wept because she's like, wow, Miss Veronica, that's the first time like I really loved myself. You know, like she had this shift, this internal shift. And it was just like, I just would have these moments of moments of these kids just, you know, doing the mindful breathing or checking in like the inner weather what's your weather today what are you feeling and to watch it all day long and to like them taking that practice on knowing how it supported them how it allowed them to navigate challenges how they knew you know learning was supposed to be hard and fun Um, but just giving them those skill sets and then getting the stories back and then literally watching them you know, or watching teachers shift was powerful. It was just like, it was a beautiful demonstration of what I call love in action. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Love in action. Right on, right on. Um, now, and I find it very interesting that, and you spoke to this briefly earlier, right? It, the, the idea is to change the systematic, the systematic change specifically mm-hmm. in the school to prison pipeline. And this work has evolved that it's now pulling you into the tr- c- criminal justice system there. And well, it's, it's, a t- it's a Texas criminal justice coalition. Mm-hmm. And, and tell us more, please. How, how's the work evolving now into that aspect of, of life? So uh, Spirit has a great way of always providing these divine appointments. So this friend of mine, Faharana, was walking down uh, one of our pathways here in Dallas and saw this man. And she's like, I got to go talk to this guy. And this guy ends up being Leon Theodore, who is part of the Texas Criminal Justice Coalition. And he is passionate about changing that school to prison pipeline. So she connected me with him. He and I had a conversation. He's like, I really want you on board as an advisor for everything that you did because they're bringing in mentoring programs or bringing in mindfulness or bringing in uh, restorative justice, mental health care. And so with him, I'm just there, you know, as we're trying to enter into uh, one of the school districts, which I won't name yet, it, to bring in this new program because what they're seeing is that there is that, you know, the bias against children of color. There is this, you know, culture where, you know, there is more punitive as opposed to the restorative justice. And what we're trying to do is, and I'm working with him and his whole team is to bring in all of these skill sets, all of these different ways to truly from the inside out, change the system, not only change the children, but change the system. And so that these kids at certain, you know, lower income schools are not automatically thinking, and literally this one uh, school that we originally are going to go to, um, but because of the pandemic, it hasn't worked out yet. Literally, like a few blocks away, there is one of the prisons. And so our thing is, is that 
We want to empower these children. We want to empower educators. We want to, um, you know, support them, but there needs to be policy change. And there are also these practical skill sets that must begin at pre-K, you know, because I teach pre-K through fifth grade. Um, a lot of the work that we did with Season for Peace and Nonviolence with Azim Kamisa was middle school. And then, you know, I did a pilot with high school. And so with them, I'm just a part of their program and supporting like entering this new school district and then really taking on different schools. And from the beginning through the whole process, just give these skill sets, mentorship, life skills, mental health, you know, restorative justice, you know, which people often think restorative justice is just when something's happened. Restorative practices actually creates community. So we're trying to create community and connection um, and, and it's an interesting process. Let me just say that, you know, the policy that's been set up and I have never been very focused on policy. So I'm learning a lot about that through Leon Theodore and the work that he does. And you're just seeing the inequity and it's time for change. It's time to recognize a system that has um, not served a lot of our community. Right. Yes. I, I would agree with that too. There, the, what is most necessary now is that systemic reformation, that change, that mm-hmm. that shift to a place where um, meditation isn't woo-woo. It's just normal. Mindfulness mm-hmm. isn't woo-woo or crazy. It's just what we do. It's just the normal aspects of it. Yeah. And the beautiful thing with mindfulness and mindful schools, if anybody's interested in training, mindfulschools.org has phenomenal online training, but they have the science. And so what you're seeing now is more of the science that supports the brain science, the research results for children, because a lot of the science was geared towards adults. And we're seeing that transformation, but you're you're still seeing school districts trying to bring in like big curriculums, like this is another thing to do. And I'm like, no, it's a personal practice and it begins with the adults. And then we model these simple practices and utilize these simple tools with the children. So it's embedded in the daily routine, just like we stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, right. like at school. And then the kids do the announcements and then we do the mindful minute. So practical, they're practical peace tools or practical skill sets. Right on. Raising the vibration of peace around the planet, folks. Exactly. Uh, hey, we're here. This is New Thought Media Network. Today's program is Beyond 2020, exploring the emerging vision of life on planet Earth. And we are so grateful today to have peace educator, Reverend Veronica Baez with us. And we're going to take a quick break here, allow our sponsors to say thank you and let you know a little bit about what they do to help keep this amazing network on the air. We'll be right back with more Stay tuned for more of Beyond 2020. And we're back. Reverend Robert here and my guest today on Beyond 2020, Reverend Reverend Veronica Valles from Dallas. And she and her ministry, Sacred Living, have uh, numerous programs that you can get involved with. They sh- they what they're really doing is bringing mindfulness, secular mindfulness, into our schools. And before the break, we're talking about this new uh, partnership collaboration that uh, Veronica is building with the Texan- Texas Criminal Justice Coalition. 
and how we can uh, how we can break down that school to prison pipeline in many many ways. Uh, Veronica, I, you know, while we're here, I'd love to hear. We heard kind of your vision for schools and mindfulness. Um, uh, what's your vision for what what could happen in our criminal justice system? if mindfulness and other mindful practices became the norm, um, could, could we get the prison system to institute a mindful minute or a, a mindful moment before meals? Well, um, you know, you're seeing, well, well, my whole goal is, is to uh, not have people end up in prison, which is why I work with children. I mean, that's really my goal is give them the skill sets now so we can navigate conflict so we don't end up. And, you know, you're looking at, all sorts of issues, trauma, poverty, mental illness, um, just, you know, all sorts of stuff. But in the prison system, I do know I have friends who work in the system who are bringing in a lot of new thought people are actually doing, you know, their own prison ministries. And, you know, Leslie Money is, you know, somebody from Center for Spiritual Living Dallas, who I know does, you know, work in the prisons with women. And so you're seeing it. And, you know, Roshi Joan Halifax of the Upaya Zen Center really was my, um, like mentor from afar about being socially engaged, her and uh, the late Bernie Glassman, where they did, you know, bringing meditation into prisons. So I'm, my, my like vision, my heart would love to see it in every aspect of life. Um, the city councils, the fire department, where my brothers are a part of, or one's retired, the police departments, the, the prison system, uh, and then to really create a place of rehabilitation and restoration. I'm deeply inspired by Father Gregory Boyle and the work that he does in uh, Los Angeles with Homeboy Industries, you know, where he really provides love and belonging. But the work that I do really is to give the tools so they, they don't make the choices that they end up in prison. That's really where my work is. And and, and, and not even just that, just life in general. I mean, the challenges of life in general, because you can still be, you know, successful business woman or man and have unhealthy coping mechanisms because you don't want to deal with your difficult emotions. So for me, mindfulness is for everyone, all of us. Just being human provides us both just like the beauty and the joy and the complexity and then the heartache and the suffering. Like it's just an interesting dance of light and shadows. So for me, it's like every person Every person deserves this. Um, and so we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it expands and grows. We're, we're seeing from Mindful Schools perspective, um, like J.G. LaRochette with the Mindful Life Project in Los Angeles, I mean, um, in California, I think it's Richmond, California, is doing phenomenal work. Uh, Daniel Rechestoff. And so I think when people catch that vision and also then organizations are able to be financially sustained to do this, this work is essential. Fundraising is always for us small grassroots organizations. It's always that, you know, year to year, go out. I I hate having to spend time to fundraise. I'm going to be very honest. I'd rather (laughs) be teaching, you know, than fundraising. So with the Criminal Justice Coalition, uh, my prayer is that it does get embedded in all areas, in and out, and that we start having less people in jail, in the prison system, and mm-hmm. you know we can transform them into, you know, community gardens and and artistic places. I mean, I'm I'm just like a a wild hippie visionary because I do believe it's possible. I do believe a world for everyone that works for everyone is possible. Yes. Yes, we can create a world that works for everyone, folks. And that is what it's about. And I, 
I, again, I, I really like what you're saying here because it isn't about just one or the other or one aspect. This wants to be in every aspect of our lives. Yes. And, Absolutely. Uh, so I'm interested. Uh, I myself have, a, you know, different mindfulness practices and little things. And um, I love the uh, I'm one of those guys that stops in the threshold of every doorway to take just a half a pause and a half a second nice. to remember I'm moving from one threat through a threshold from one experience to another. Uh, what would you say is your personal favorite um and not not just like oh I love meditation and but what's your favorite mindfulness practice? I would have to say my walks in nature, you know, because our five senses, you know, so our mind, you know, our mind is always wandering from the past, the present to imagination. Uh, it's our senses, it's our body and our breath that keeps us present. And for me, when I'm out in nature and also do photography, it just one engages me in the present moment. It reminds me that there's something greater than me that is living and moving and having its being as nature and it calms the nervous system. You know, so I do my mindful, I do my uh, morning pages writing. I do my meditation. Uh, I love doing ecstatic dance, but it's when I'm out in nature walking, I'm fully engaged in my senses. I can see the different colors like fall. You know, I, I shared in a service this past Sunday. It's like mother nature, just like, like she screams for us to be present, you know, cause spring is these like, you know, outrageous, gorgeous colors. And then you get fall with the crimson and, and the golden and the marmalade leaves. And it's just that present moment. Like I'm in the present moment when I'm in nature, no headphones, you know, I don't need to listen to music. I want to listen to the sounds of nature. I want to hear the, the call and the response of the hawks. I want to see, you know, the movement of the birds because I live over here by White Rock Lake. I want to see the different colors. I want to experience the sights and the sounds. So for me, mine would be my daily walk over here at White Rock Lake or whenever, you know, when get back into the days of traveling, you know, traveling to Colorado <laughs> or California or different parts, but it's nature. It's being in nature and then in gratitude because it also reminds me of the cycles of life. So just it's in this moment with nature, every moment's different. Every yeah. day is different, but let me just be present to the gift that's present right here in this moment. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. And, and I can, I personally can just envision you in nature and envisioning you with your camera. Uh, and, and would love to talk, tell us a little bit about, about the photography because your nature photography is absolutely stunning. Um, I, I find myself just enthralled so often with some of the things you post and, and things you've shared over time. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that intersects as well. Well, you know, it's so funny because I don't have a fancy camera. If I do, uh, if it looks a little clearer, it's a Canon Rebel that my niece actually bought me. I usually just use my phone, but I have such a, a reverence and devotion to the divine that whenever, especially with flowers or trees, but especially with flowers, if you see a close up, I'm close up, unless it's the moon, because then I'm using my Canon Rebel, but I just engage in almost like a reverent practice of adoration and and like i will have firefly i'm not fireflies uh dragonflies and butterflies just stop because they know that i'm going to just take that picture and imprint them for immortality so for me it's a recognition of the divine and i just have a good eye i'm grateful i started photography when i was 16 i've always just loved the dance of light and shadows i see patterns i i pause 
I mean, the key thing is I pay attention. Like I will notice things because I'm actually being very present. Whereas a lot of people may be focused on running or riding their bike or they're having a conversation. I was walking with a friend of mine and he was, <laughs> he was talking and talking and I'm like, look at that flower, you know, and then he talk and talk. I'm like, look at that over there, you know? And, and, and so we get in our head so much and I live in my heart but with my head in resonance. So heart math, you know, there's this heart intelligence that's greater, but it keeps the brain in alignment. So the photography is just, I am, I am just the visual messenger of light. I call them postmarks on infinity. I'm just, you know, taking that moment and, and in great adoration so I can share it with other people to remind them to pause, to enjoy the beauty, um, to, to be in awe you know, because one minute there's nothing there and the next minute the tree is budding leaves. There's something intelligent that's making that thing grow. And it's a whole collaboration with the sun and the wind and the air and the earth and the rain. And so so that's just I just I share because I'm enthralled by beauty and I feel like beauty and creativity uh, raise our vibration. It keeps our heart open and it inspires us to find the good despite all that does happen because we don't want to deny the suffering, but then let me find that one thing, that one thing that can make my heart sing, that can lift me for the day if I'm having a really challenging day. So that's why I share. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, folks, there's millions of ways to bring mindfulness into our lives. And what I hear and, and what I often will share is right, we've got to figure out what works for us. You've yeah. got to figure out what is that thing for you. And this doesn't mean that we all have to um, prayer, you know, sit and pray at the altars of a flower. Um, nothing wrong with that if you want to do that, right? Do that for sure. Uh, and for me, it's about coming into that alignment with the truth. Yes of being able to say that no matter what's going on in the world, I know I can turn to that truth, to that source and tap in and, and bring something good into the world, bring something good in, into my life and into the consciousness of humanity. Perfect. Beautiful. Wow. You know, folks, this is beyond 2020 exploring the emerging vision of life on planet earth. And we've been sitting here talking with Reverend Veronica Vez. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I think it's an amazing conversation. I want to applaud all the hard work that you are doing and all that you've done to get to here. And uh, before we run out of time here this morning, we'd love to hear a little bit more too. Uh, what's on the more immediate horizon for you? Uh, how can people get involved with your ministry? And, uh, and how do we stay in touch with you? Well, if they go to sacredlivingdallas.org, they can, you know, just see what I have on the website. Uh, the best thing for me right now is funding because I'd like to expand this program in 2021. I have people that I would hire in a heartbeat. And so I'm working on a plan where we can draw in more of the financial abundance to bring more peace educators and mindfulness teachers into the schools. Um, and then just to hold me in prayer as I'm finishing my mindfulness book, because that's one way that I want to, you know, bring out to the world to empower teachers. So I'm looking at doing more professional developments. Um, uh, my friend, Jennifer Byram, who was a teacher at Alexandra, I taught in her class for years. She and her colleague Mackenzie and I 
um, submitted a workshop for South by Southwest EDU for this March. So no one prayer that we're in because 2,400 people uh, also applied, but we're like, we're in social emotional learning and STEAM, which is science, technology, uh, wait a minute, engineering, art and math. Um, and, and so I guess just, you know, stay tuned to the website. Uh, I haven't really updated it with any more statistics, but uh, you can follow me on Facebook, my personal Facebook page and stay tuned to that. And just to keep in prayer that the seed that has been planted, which is a divine seed that is beyond me, it is beyond me. I'm just the visionary to ignite people and ignite organizations that social emotional intelligence skill sets are essential, uh, practical, and we really could have a world that works for everyone that we're thriving. So they can just check in on sacredlivingdallas.org. I always appreciate any donation, it's tax uh, deductible. We'll send you a gift receipt. And always, I keep everybody in prayer who actually has not only helped me plant these seeds in the garden of good, as I say, but we water them, we fertilize them, we nurture them, and we celebrate them when they bloom. Mm, yes. And we celebrate you, Veronica. You. Uh, you are definitely, we're going to borrow from all of our analogies, so you're definitely a flower in uh, on the planet you're definitely bringing forward the work uh, that i think I, i've heard you say right, necessary and practical mm-hmm. effective yes. necessary and practical and bringing forth that good work so thank you thank you thank you so thank much you. for being with us today uh before we go i always like to just check in anything we didn't cover anything that uh, still wants to be said any final thoughts Uh, before we wrap this up and let you get back into the good work that you are doing. No, I'm just grateful for the conversation to connect with you, to connect with all the listeners. And the invitation is to be inspired, to be socially engaged, compassionately connected. That's my ministry. But find your way, anybody who hears this, your way to serve, your way to bring in the light, your way to connect. Uh, It just takes a smile. It takes a hello. It takes a mentoring of children. Well, we need more mentors once we can get back into the classrooms. But it was a joyous, joyous uh, time with you. And I really love what you're doing, Reverend Robert. This is phenomenal. So thank you for what is downloaded as your vision and what you're bringing to the world. So thank you. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. It is a fun experience, this thing called life, and we all get to live it, folks. So I am Reverend Robert Brzezinski. This is the New Thought Media Network and Beyond 2020, exploring the emerging vision of life on planet Earth. It has been so amazing to be here with Reverend Veronica and learn so much more about her ministry, Sacred Living. We're here every week, folks, so please keep on tuning in and check out the back episodes with our past interviews over at ntmedia.org. Until next time, thanks for being with us. Peace and blessings. Thank you for listening to Beyond 2020, exploring the emerging vision of life on planet Earth. We are a production of the New Thought Media Network, positively inspiring media, music, and entertainment across the web. Join us at ntmedia.org. That's ntmedia.org. Until next time, peace and blessings.